This morning, we're going to continue with our What is Life series. And I don't know about you, but it's only been a week, right? It's only been one, uh, one teaching about what is life, but I, I've been blessed by it so far. I don't know about you. How many of you guys have been blessed by, by the What is Life series? I mean, I... I don't know, but last, last, last week, and if you missed the teaching last week, the first teaching by Pastor Phil, by the way, how awesome was Pastor Phil last week? Was he, was he on fire or what? I mean, the, 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 the pains was coming off the walls last Sunday. So, but if you missed it, if you couldn't be here with us, or if you, if you just didn't have the time to, 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 to hear it, I'm going to suggest that you go to our podcast or you go to our YouTube channel and go ahead and check that out because it's amazing. And it sets the stage by what we are, are teaching through the next few weeks, which is uh, trying to find the meaning of life, trying to find out, okay, what is this that we call life? I mean, we all have to be here. What, what is it? Why are we here? What, what's the purpose of us being here? What makes us get up every morning or what makes us having to have a nine-to-five or a family? Is, that, is this all there is to, to what we call life? And for the next few weeks, that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about from different uh, perspectives, different teachers, different pastors, Pastor Alex, and, and some of us are going to be trying to unpack this thing that, that, that a lot of people are always asking that question. I don't know about you, but I've asked that question. I still ask that question every now and then. Okay, what is life? What's the, what's the purpose? Am I in the right purpose? Is, is my, does my life have true meaning? And that's what we're going to be doing here today. And last week, as, 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 as you remember, if you were here, we, we heard Pastor Phil talk about a guy that was supposed to be the wisest man in the world, and that was King Solomon. King Solomon was one of the ones that asked that himself that question, what is life? What is life? And King Solomon was the type of guy that when, when he needed to find something out, he didn't hesitate. He went after it. He went after it with everything he got. He, he, didn't, he didn't spare anything because he wanted to know what life was about. And he started right. We found out last week that he started right because what? Because his faith was on the right object. His faith was on the right object. He had faith in God. And that's what I'm going to segue into this morning. Because I believe that in, o- in order for us to find out this true meaning, whatever it is that we call life and the true meaning, what is our purpose, I think a big ingredient of it is our faith. And our faith has to be strong in order for us to make meaningful lives, in order for us to make sense about life. But you see, the thing is this, that our faith is only as good as the object we place it on. I'm going to say that one more time. Our faith... Is only as strong and as good as the object we place our faith on. And you see, King Solomon started right. His faith was on God. But then throughout the years, I guess he got bored, I guess he got uh, entertained, and his faith started drifting. And he started putting faith on a whole bunch of other things. And we, and we read about that last week, and we learned about that last week. He didn't spare himself anything. He said, okay, you know what, I, I'm going to try to find out by pleasures what this life is all about because life can get hard. And I know every single one of us here today knows that life can get hard. You, you don't know from one moment to the next what life's going to throw at you. See, I didn't know yesterday what was going to happen today. So yesterday around 8 o'clock at night, I was having dinner with my wife, enjoying a beautiful Saturday evening, having a nice date, and I got that text. Why are you all laughing? <laughs> and I got the text that said, man, I can't make it. I've been trying all day. Can you step up? Can you do it? The ramen almost came back. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. So you get excited. You get excited, but you also get nervous. You know why? Because it's a big responsibility to try to make sense out of life. And to try to think, okay, what, what, why is life doing this to me? 
And, and I'm pretty sure that some of you out here today are saying, hey, I, I can relate to you because I'm trying to do life the best way I know how, but life is not cooperating with me. You see, life is not being what I thought that it was going to be like. See, my marriage is not what I, I thought it was going to be like. My kids are definitely not what I thought they were going to be like. Because that's life. That's life. Life throws wrenches at you. And it's how we are going to react. It's where are we going to put the object of our faith in those moments. So that's what I want to unpack with you today. We're going we're gonna to leave uh, King Solomon uh, uh, on a break for a week. But we're going to see about four other guys in the Bible, four other regular guys, four other guys that were just ordinary guys. And, and isn't it great to know that we have a God that takes ordinary people and does extraordinary things? And every single one of you out there, including me, we're ordinary. I consider myself an ordinary guy. But you know what? If we put our faith on the right object, on the right person, on the person of Jesus Christ, he can take us, ordinary us, and do extraordinary things. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, because that's, that's what we're going to unpack. We're going to, we're going to see how life threw things at four different guys in the Bible, and what they did to be able to make sure that their faith was on the right thing. And we're, we're going to read, and if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to go to the book of Hebrews. And I'm going to ask you to go to the 11th chapter in the book of Hebrews. If you don't have a Bible, share it with the person next to you. And if not, we're going to show it in the big Bible up in the sky here. It is very important to have our Bibles. The Bible is the sword of the Spirit. The Bible says that our Bibles are the sword of the Spirit. It's the only time that it talks about an offensive weapon, and that's the Word of God. It is important to have our own so we can use it, so we can have it like a manual, so we can scratch all over it. So we can, and yes, I'm going to give you the freedom. You can write on your Bibles this morning. I'll give you permission. You can write on your Bibles this morning. That's how God speaks to you. God puts thoughts in your, on your heart and your mind, and you write them in your Bible, and then when you go back a few weeks later, a few months later, you read them, and you say, ah, oh, that's an answered prayer. So if you're there, can you shout amen? amen? All right, Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to be starting in verse 1, and we're going to read to verse 10, and then we're going to jump a couple more verses down to verse 13. And it says this. I'm going to get under the light, because if not, I can't see. <laughs> That's twice, you guys. You're like laughing too hard. Anyways, it says this. Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed by God's command so that what is seen was made out of what was, what is not seen was made out of what's visible. I think I'm saying it right. I can't see. By faith... Abel brought to God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he's dead. Verse 5 says, By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. That's amazing. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Man, I wish that one day someone can say that about me. Don't you wish that, that someone can say that about you? He pleased. She pleased God. That is amazing. And it says this. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I want you to start underlining that thing. That's, that's one that needs to be underlined in all our Bibles. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. 
and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Number seven says, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is keeping with faith. Number eight says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he will later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as is Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with which foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And then we jump uh, a few verses down to number 13. Real quick, it says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Isn't that good right there? Isn't that relatable to us right there? Because that's us too. We are strangers in this land. We're, we are passing through. And out of those few verses in the next 20, 25 minutes that I got left, I'm going to share with you a talk. I want to share with you a message that I've titled, Powerful Faith or Strong Faith Makes for a Meaningful Life. Strong Faith, Meaningful Life. But before we keep going, let's go bow our heads and close our eyes. Let's go before the Lord for a second. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for the time that you've given us here. We have praised you. We have given to you. We have asked of you. We have worshipped you, Lord God. And right now, Lord, as we get ready to unpack what you have placed in our hearts, I pray, Lord, that you open our ears to hear from you. You open our eyes to see from you. You open our hearts to receive from you, Lord God. Father, speak to us now. Holy Spirit, take over the conversation. Father, may your name be glorified. May we leave here different than how we came in. We don't just want to have another meeting. We want to have an encounter with you, the living God. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name that everybody said, amen, amen. amen. So faith, a big thing. And the thing about faith is that we have all that in common. All of us have that in common. We all have faith. And you might be saying, oh, I don't know about you because I, I, I don't know about that faith that you're talking about. We don't, I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not a faithful guy. Well, yes, you are. Because as I was, I'll give you an example. As I was standing here, as I was standing uh, back there and then up here, I, I made it a point to kind of like look around as you guys were coming in and sitting down. And, and, and I, didn't th I didn't see anyone checking the chair before they sat down. That's faith. That's faith, right? And you might be saying, no, no, that's not me. Well, you know what? When you woke up this morning and you were like, you stumbled to the kitchen or because, or, 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 you know, you, you, we need that cup of coffee, right? First thing in the morning. If not, don't even talk to me. I don't even want, I'm not functioning until I get that first cup of coffee. Well, you flipped that switch on and, 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 you just, and you just waited until that thing came out, right? That's faith. You have faith that that coffee maker was going to work. And then you got in your car and you put that key in the ignition. And if you have the new ones, you don't even have to put the key in the ignition, right? You just press a button and the thing turns on, right? That's faith, right? And you might be saying, well, you know what? That's, that's just the way things are. But it's not personal. It's not something. It's not a human being. It's not, it's not okay, I, I got one for you too. Because we all have faith in common. How many of you guys have been to the doctor recently or, 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 or one, uh, one or twice in your lives? Right? I've been to the doctor, right? So here you go. You go to a man that you hardly know or a woman you hardly know, you never met before. 
especially if it's in an ER or an urgent care center. You go and you sit down in front of this person, you tell them what you're feeling, you tell them how you're not feeling that good, right? And this person looks at you really, really smart looking, and, and, and then they write some things down that you can't even read, you don't understand. Because how many of you, and, and I love doctors, okay, but how many of you have ever been able to understand the doctor's handwriting? So they say, okay, they nod their heads a couple of times, and, and they say, okay, okay, I got you, I got you, I got you. They write some things down. They give you this piece of paper that you kind of look at. You can't understand. You don't know, even know what it says, but you take it, and then you drive to your nearest, whatever it is, Walgreens, CVS, or whatnot. You drive to the drive-thru, or you go to the counter, and you hand it over to some other person that you don't know either. <laughs> and that person looks at that thing and shakes his head, mm-hmm, come back in an hour. And you leave, and you come back in an hour, and they hand you these things, uh, some pills, and you take them. You don't know this person. You take them. You go home. You take the pills, and you hope you get better. <laughs> that, my friends, is blind faith. <laughs> so can we agree that we all have that in common? That we have, <laughs> that we have faith? And you see, as we were trying to make things out of life, and as we, as we were trying to, to unpack these things that we call faith, I believe that in order for us to have a meaningful life, in order for us to say, okay, you know, my life is what it's supposed to be. My life is what God has placed me on this earth for. My, my faith is on the right object. We need to kind of like go a little bit with what these four guys were experiencing. This is, again, like I said, these are ordinary guys living life, going through their life, waking up every morning, doing their thing. And life started throwing things at them. But at one point in their life, they made a decision. They made a, a commitment to say, my faith is going to be on the right thing. My faith is going to be on my God. My faith is going to be on something that I have not seen yet. But you know what? I trust that God is going to say what he said he was going to say. That sounds like a tongue twist, but that's the way it is. And it might be that you here this morning are kind of like in that place. You're saying, you know what, I, I'm trying to live life the way that I'm supposed to live life. I'm trying to, to do things the way that I'm supposed to do things. But somehow or other, things are not happening the way that I'm supposed to do. But let me tell you this morning that it's okay to feel that way. Because as long as you're saying, but I'm going to keep my eyes on God. You know, I'm going to keep the, my eyes on the one that has promised that he's going to do certain things. And I'm going to believe those promises. You know what, we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right because God says, I never lie. And I never go back on my word. So I don't know what kind of promise you believe for yourself that God has given you. But whatever it is that you're going through in life right now, believe on the promise. Believe on what God has said to you. So that's what we're going to do the rest of the time here. I'm going to give you four handles. That I think that if we apply those four handles, if we, if we talk about those four handles, if we internalize those four handles, if we remember them, if we write them down on, on, on the margin of our Bibles as we unpack them right there from the, from, from the text... And we can apply it when it comes to our faith. Our faith is going to get strong. And when our faith is going to get strong, then our life are going to start making sense. We're going to start living a meaningful life. And the first handle that I'm going to give you in order for our faith to get strong is that we have to worship. It's going to be four W words. Because see, I'm a simple guy and I, and I like to, to make things simple so that I can remember them. So I took from the text four W words that I believe that I think that if we use them as handles to try to build up our faith, to make sense of our life, it's going to work. And our first one is worship. And why did I take out worship? Because if you go to verse 4, we're going to talk about the first guy, the first ordinary guy that God is talking about. 
And it says there, we're going to read verse 4 again. It says, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. And by faith, he was com commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he's dead. So Abel was worshiping God the, the best way that he knew how, by bringing him an offering. Abel was leading his life, and Abel was having a hard time now. Why? Because he was having conflict with his brother. He was having things going back and forth with his brother. If, if you read the Bible, if you go back to Genesis, you start reading the story of these two brothers. And this is actually the first homicide that ever happened in the Bible. You know, so he was having conflicts with his brother. But, you know, throughout all the things that was happening to him, he never stopped doing one thing. He never stopped worshiping. He never stopped bringing his best to God. Because, you see, worship is not something that we just do here when we come to church on Sundays. Worship is not just something that happens here five minutes before the service starts so we can all get come in and get seated. That's not worship. Worship is when we come in and we say, you are the living God. You're the one that I'm going to honor. You're the one that I'm going to worship. I had a rough week. I had a terrible time. But I am going to come and I'm going to worship you. Worship is not only what we do here. Worship is a lifestyle. We have to make worship a lifestyle. And that's what Abel did. He made it his lifestyle. You know, um, sometime uh, last year, um, there was a, the, my mom, she's, uh, she's, she's uh, up in years now. And throughout uh, last year, she was feeling a, sort of a pain in, in, on her side. And, and finally, she went to the doctor. And the doctors uh, decided that they needed to go in there and have surgery so they can figure out what was going on. And, and, and they did. And, and my mom, my mom, bless her soul, she is a strong Christian. She's one of those persons that, hey, she's always doing what God wants her to do. So all of a sudden, I start not her, but I started saying, God, why? This woman is always serving you. This woman is, is almost 90 years old, and she still serves at church. This woman is a prayer warrior. This woman prays every day for every single kid and grandkid and everybody on the planet. Why, why, why this? And I started getting a little bit twisted. You know, so, so we started, uh, she went in surgery, and they, and, and they, they figured out what they, what they needed to take out, and they took some out, and they couldn't take everything out. And, and the, you know, isn't it, isn't it terrible when the worst thing about going to the doctor is waiting, right? Waiting for the results to come back. So that's what was happening. And throughout this time, I'm, I'm getting a little twisted inside. And I'm, I'm, I'm complaining. I'm not like, man, why is this happening? Why? why, why? That's, this is not fair. This is not fair. And then, and then one morning, as, as I was having my, my, my time with God, and, and I, what I was really doing was just complaining. And, and I heard him, and, and, and I heard in my spirit him saying, why don't you just stop your whining and start worshiping? Why don't you stop your whining and stop worshiping? And, you know, in that same moment, that right then and there, this is what I did. I, I got my, my, my phone, and I, and I downloaded, and I made a playlist of all the songs that we worship with here. You know, the songs like Tremble, and songs like, well, we just finished singing here, that if the stars were, so would I. And, and what I would do every morning while we were waiting for those results to come back is when I was starting to feel bad, when I was starting to, that I wanted to complain, that I wanted to start uh, whining and shaking my fist at God. You know, instead of doing that, what I would do is I would put my headphones on, I would turn my music on, and I would just go for a jog, or I would just go for a walk. And I was listening, and I would worship, and I would start singing, and I would start crying, weeping. Because when you start realizing what an awesome God you all, we have, what an amazing God, what a, th what a forgiving God we have. You know, it doesn't matter what the circumstance might be. But it's an act of worship, and it's an act of worship, and I'm here to tell you that you might be in that same situation. You might be waiting for something. You might be waiting to hear something. You might be in a, in, in a place where you're saying, you know, you know what, I'm getting angry. 
And I'm shaking my fist at God because I'm doing life the way that I'm supposed to be doing life. And things are not going the right way. Don't give up worship. Continue to say, you know, it doesn't matter what I'm going through. It doesn't matter that my marriage is on the rock right now. I'm going to trust you. It matters to me. And if it matters to me, I know it matters more to you. So I'm going to worship you. I'm going to come into the house of God. And I'm going to say, Jesus, you are Lord. You are the healer. You are the one that saves me. You are the one that encourages me. You are the one that lifts my head. If we have that attitude of worship. I'm not saying that everything is going to turn right pink and rosy. But what I'm saying is. That you will get through it. You will get through it because the, time, the minute that we take the eyes off of ourselves and we put it on worshiping our Lord, things get bearable. Things get better. And that's what, that's what Abel was doing. He was worshiping. He was worshiping. And then the next thing that I, that I, that I want to lead into, the other handle that I want you to write down somewhere, is that once he was worshiping, the other, it leads us to the next, the next thing, and that is Walk. Walk. That's what I want you to write down. And we see that there in the next verse. It says that Enoch walked with God. And, you know, we don't hear, we don't hear about, a lot about who Enoch was, and we don't, we don't hear about any great things that he did. Again, because that's what's so awesome about the Bible. That's what's so awesome about God. He takes ordinary people, ordinary people that are faithful to him, and he does amazing, extraordinary things. And look what it says. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life. So that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Why did he please God? Why does it say there that he pleased God? It says there that he pleased God. If you go back a little bit, we can find the answer. Because why? Because he walked with God. Because he walked with God. And you can, we can say here, okay, well, what does that even mean? Walk with God. Walk with God. Well, that's, that, that means... What kind of time we're spending with God? If we say that he is our savior, if we say that we believe in him, if we say that he's our best friend, are we walking with him? Are we spending time with him? We all have a best friend. We all have someone that we can confide in. We all have someone that we can say, hey, man, when I'm in trouble, I know that I can count on this person. But usually that's someone that you can talk, you talk to almost every day or every couple of days. Or you text or you write a, a letter or you write an email. But sometimes... Days go by, and life gets so busy that we don't walk with God. If we, if we can be honest here, if we can be transparent, if we can be real, real, real raw here this morning, and I'm the first one to admit it, sometimes I let, I let life get so busy that a couple of days go by, and I'm like, man, I, I, I haven't walked with God the way that I'm supposed to. And it's not that I'm doing anything bad. I'm doing ministry, right? Amen. I'm doing ministry. I'm praying with people. I'm going to the hospital. I'm going. But, but we cannot let the busyness of life get in between our walk with God. We can't, we can't let what's happening around us, whether it's good or bad, get in between us walking with God. So what the question is, how are you walking with God? How are you walking with God here this morning? As you're going through life, as you're trying to make sense out of life, as you're trying to have your life make, have meaning... How is it that you're walking with God? Because you know what? You know who's the one that's going to give meaning to your life? Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He's the one that's going to make, give meaning to your life. He's the one that when nothing else makes sense, when nothing else has meaning, like we found out last week from King Solomon, that he said he takes 700 wives and 300 concubines. And still he cannot find meaning. He said it was meaningless. I can't find anything. You know what? You don't need a thousand others 
You just need one. You just need a relationship with Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. That's the one that's going to give meaning to your life. And if you're here today and you're saying, well, you know, I'm trying, man, if I can get it together, if I can get my life together, if I can get that promotion, that will give me meaning in my life. If I can get that marriage, that will give me meaning in my life. If I, if I can get my kids to come to church, that will make my life meaningful. Those things are all good. Those things are things that we should strive for. But that's not what gives meaning to our life. What gives meaning to our life is how we worship and how we walk with God. How we worship and how we walk with God. What kind of time are we spending with him? What kind of things are we saying? What kind of things are we doing? Are we really, really, really coming to him and saying, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to hang on to you. I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to trust you. Why? Because I have that relationship with you. You, you know, when you walk with someone for a while, you kind of like know each other. It's like I've been married for 32 years. I hope I said that right, right? 32 years. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yes. So it's pretty much like I know what my wife is thinking almost, right? I mean, we, 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 we go to a restaurant and I can order for her or she can order for me. I mean, we, we got this thing that we laugh about all the time now. It's like we go to a restaurant and my wife will look at me and say, what's my favorite thing here? <laughs> and it's like, really? I don't know. I know what my favorite thing here is. But that comes with a relationship. That comes with walking together. That comes with like talking to each other. That comes with like knowing what, every, what the other person is feeling and thinking and having that intimacy with them. That, we can have that same relationship with God. We can have the same relationship with God, but we, that can only happen if we walk with him. If we only have a, a, a far off, you know, relationship with God where, where we're thinking like, well, I can't really be that intimate with God because he is God and he's up there and, and he's looking at me. And I didn't do that good yesterday and I didn't do that good this morning. And you know what? And I didn't pray enough or I didn't, I didn't read my Bible long enough or, 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 or I didn't do enough good things. Then that's going to get us away from God. What we have to understand is that there's nothing that we can do or say that's going to make God love us any more or love us any less than what he already loved us. He loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for us on a cross. It's it. It's done. It's done. Nothing that you can. And, 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 and let, let me share something with you because it's something that I used to struggle with. I used to think that I, I, that I would disappoint God, right? Anybody else with me out there? Hey, you can disappoint God, right? Well, how can I disappoint someone who knows the beginning and my end? And everything in between. I can't disappoint him. He knows everything. He knows what I'm thinking right now. He knows what I'm going to be doing later on today, even though I don't. He knows what I'm going to be doing tomorrow or the day after. So I can't disappoint him. I can't disappoint him. He loves me the same way. So that's one thing that we have to walk with him. We have to walk with him. And then the next thing is, the next handle that I, wanted, that I took from the text that I, that I want to make sure that I share with you so that you understand that that will get us to strengthen our faith. Is that once we, we, once we worship, and it leads us to walking, and that walking, you know what that walking does? It encourages and it leads us to work. It encourages and it leads us to work. To work. To have something that make, gives us meaning. I mean, there's nothing like doing something that you're proud of to give meaning to, to your life, right? I mean, I mean, if you get a project, if you're in school and you had a project and you're part of a team and, and the project came and it was amazing, bro, you were proud. You were, you were high-fiving each other. You, you were going to pizza or something like that because you did something together. And that's what work means. And, and we get that from the text. And it says this, verse 7, it says, By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, 
He condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. So here we have Noah. Again, life is happening to him. Him and his son, they're living. They're, they're, they're regular people. They're shepherds. They're having life. And then all of a sudden, if you read it, you can read the story back in, in, in the early books of the Bible in Genesis. You, you know, God shows up and says, you know what, Noah? You are the only one that's righteous. I'm done. I, I, I am done with what I've created. You know what? I, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to start. I'm, I'm going to hit the lead, and I'm going to reboot. And you're going to be the one that I'm going to choose to, to, to be part of that. You know, can you imagine Noah is like, hey, what, wait, what? What am I going to be doing? I'm going I'm to be building a what? A, an ark? What's an ark? A boat? See, back then, they hadn't even, there was no water yet. There was only dew that would come up. They had never seen rain before. And the rain had not come down. So it's like, okay, God, you, you, okay, uh, you're God and I'm not, so I'm going to obey you. So, so I'm going to build this thing. How big is it? And God is God a detail. God tells him every single thing that he needs to do. So he's saying, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, right? He decides that he's going to work for God. He's going to partner with God and he's going to work for God. Can you imagine, can you imagine what the people of the town must have been saying about Noah? Right? Can you imagine? Oh, and Noah, está loco. Se quemó. He burnt. <laughs> Something happened to him. Something, oh, something switched. Can you, hey, I can imagine the, 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 the traffic jams, the, the, the caravans of camels just stopping by, and the camels just everybody bumping and looking. Hey, let's go by and see what Noah's doing. Hey, the guy stays crazy, and his sons are no, not too far behind. Can, you, can I tell you one thing? That happens to us nowadays. Because when you decide to work for God, when you decide to serve God, people are going to say, you're crazy. People are going to say, oh, well, you lost it. Te quemaste. You're, you're totally, totally off. What do you mean? And you know what it's going to come from, the first thing? Mostly it's going to come from family members that are not on the same page you are. And family members are going to be saying some things like, wait, wait what? You're you going to spend a whole Sunday parking cars at church? And the Miami weather? And, and, but they, they pay you, right? Wait, 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 what? No? What, 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 they gave me water? They gave you water? Oh, dude, you're crazy. And you're, what? and you're going back at one to go to growth track? Wait, 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 what? No, you're a fanatic, man. You need to slow down. You need to take it easy. See, because when once we decide to work for God, and I know you're smiling because I know you've been through it, just like I've been through it. Just like I've been through it. We get it from the closest ones to us, the ones that love us. The ones that don't understand. You know why? Because now we've been given a vision. We've been given meaning. And although they want that same meaning, they can't understand it. They can't understand it. Because the word says that to those that do not know God, what the ones that know God do is foolishness. And it's craziness. So Noah was probably like, okay, Noah is crazy. But you know the thing that I want you to, to underline in, in your Bible, depending on what kind of translations you have, is that it says he obeyed. He obeyed. Why? Because he, has, he had faith. And he had placed his faith on the right object. He said, God, okay. I don't even know what an ark is. I don't even know what rain is. You said it's going to rain for 40 days. Okay. You said that I'm to bring two of every kind. Okay. Can I leave the fleas outside? Two of every kind. I will do that too. Because I'm going to trust you. And that's the same thing that we need to do. You know, when God calls us to do something, our first response needs to be obedience. We might not understand. See, God does not call us to understanding. 
He will give us understanding, but he doesn't call us to understanding. What he does call us is to obedience. So what is God calling you to do this, this morning? What has God placed in your heart this morning? What has been, he been calling you for a little while and you've been kind of like, oh God, you know, what if I do that? My family's going to think I'm crazy. Then do it because he's calling you. What is God calling you to do? Because I tell you why, until you answer that call, your life is not going to have any meaning. You're going to chase meaning in a whole bunch of other things, but that call is still going to be there. And that call is going to be pulling at you. And that call is going to be gnawing at you. And that call is going to be a thorn in your side. And then you know what? You're going to get to 80. You're going to get to 85. You're going to get to 90 or however many long years you live. And you're always going to look back and say, could have, should have, would have. Oh, I wish I would be 20 years old again when God called me to fill in the blank. Don't have those kinds of regrets. If God calls you, do it. If God calls you, you trust him. You worship him. You walk with him. You ask him. You tell him, God, I'm going to do what you're calling me to do. I'm going to do what you're calling me to do. Because that's the faith that, that we need to have in order for our lives to have meaning. And that takes me to the last handle that I want to give you. And the last W word. And that is weight. Oh, yes. <laughs> I heard a couple of, mm, oh, yeah. This is one that, I, yeah, I'm, I do that same thing. My, mm, oh, yeah. <laughs> wait. <laughs> Wait, and I don't know about you, but going back to my hospital thing, you can, you, can, you can tell that I have a little thing with hospitals, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm talking to someone about that. Okay, it's okay. They're helping me work through it. But hey, has anybody ever been stuck in a in hospital waiting room? Wow. It is like you get there in the morning, and usually when you decide that you're going to go to a hospital, it's like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning when you can't wait anymore, right? Because you spend the whole day, like, toughing it out. It's like, honey, no, I don't need to go to the hospital. But, babe, you look bad. I'm a man. What's wrong with you? I'm going to kick this. I'm praying. God is going to heal me. And then 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock in the morning comes, and I'm crying like a little, yow, please, babe. And then we get to the hospital in the waiting room. And I mean, to you, your pain is like the, the, the last thing in the world, right? But to the people that work there, it's just like, okay, this guy's not bleeding. There's no bones sticking out. He can wait. Yeah, sit there, sit there. And then one hour goes by, and two hours go by, and three hours go by, and your pain ain't getting any better, and they haven't given you any, any, any magic pills yet. And, and you see them people coming in, and they take them in first. Whoa, they're bleeding, and their bones sticking out, and you're still waiting. You're stuck in a waiting room. And some of you here might be stuck in the waiting room of life. Because you might be waiting for something that you've been waiting for a long time. It happened to me. I've been stuck in that waiting room too. And the last guy that we're going to see here was stuck in a waiting room for a long time too. And we're talking about Abraham. And we see it there. We can, we can read it. Verses 8 through 10. He says that he left. He left the land. I'm going to read it there. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he will later receive as his inheritance, obey and went. There's that word again. There's that word that we should have underlined in our Bible, obey and went. Even though he did not know where he was going, by faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Abraham was stuck in a waiting room for a long time. For a long time he was stuck in a waiting room. And he did everything that he was supposed to do. God called him. He obeyed. 
God, can you imagine being 75 years old, living off your 401k, your retirement, everything is doing good. You got your condo in Brickle. You got your, I mean, you're, you're good. You're good. You're like, hey, I did everything. I earned this. You know, I'm just going to live my golden years in peace. I'm just chilling. And God tells you, hey, I want you to come and I want you to go someplace. Okay, God, where am I going? Don't worry about that. I'm going to tell you later. Oh, and by the way, you, you see, you don't, you don't have any kids. You got to have a kid. Okay, God, but don't worry about that. You're going to have a kid. What did Abraham do? Yeah, he obeyed. He got up, he left everything, and he went. Not knowing where he was going. He went. And then he got into the waiting room. And I can imagine Abraham. I mean, it's like every night looking outside his tent and looking at the stars. And I, you know, maybe he started second-guessing himself. Because when we're in a waiting room, that's the first thing we start doing. We start second-guessing ourselves. We start saying, wait, 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 did I really hear from God? Or was it just me? Or did I have a bad taco last night? And you're in a waiting room. But that's what happens. We start second-guessing. And Abraham was in a waiting room. And I can imagine him, God, I did what you told me. Was it you or was it me? And please let it be you, because if it wasn't you, Sarah's going to kill me. Because I can imagine, <laughs> for those of us that are married, you know what I'm talking about. When you make a decision like that, that is, it's kind of like throwing your whole life and family upside down, you're responsible. And you have to give an account to your mate, to your wife. You're going to have to tell her, your husband, hey, God is calling me to do this. Yeah, I have this job, but God is calling me to leave it, and, and I'm supposed to do this. And what do you mean? But you're making so much money. You're due for a promotion. Yeah, I know, but God, you know, it's crazy, but God is calling me. And then you get stuck in a waiting room. Because you're waiting. And you're waiting. And you're waiting. But you know what happens? When you get stuck in that waiting room, it motivates you to go back and start worshiping. And when you start worshiping, it motivates you to go back and start walking. And when you're walking, it motivates you to go back and start working. And when you're working, when you're working, all of a sudden you get out of that waiting room because God is calling you and God is giving you meaning to your life. And God is saying, I got you. I want you with me. I want you to come on. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. You just trust me. You just walk with me. You just work with me. When we do that, when we do that, no matter how long we're in that waiting room, we're going to see God do amazing things. So let's stay on our feet. Let's stay on our feet right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask everybody to stand on our feet. Because when we've been talking about these things, about faith and giving meanings to our life, see, to, to those of us that have a relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it makes sense. But there might be some of us here today that we don't have that relationship yet. We, we, we haven't make, taken that step. So to us, to, to those that haven't done that yet, you might be saying, man, it sounds good and it was inspirational, but it doesn't make sense. It's okay. God didn't bring you here today maybe to allow you to make sense of anything. He brought you here today because he wants to start a relationship with you. And in a moment, I'm going to give you that opportunity. We're going to close our eyes. We're going to bow our heads. And I'm going to count to three. And if you're here and if you're saying, 
I want to have that relationship with God. I want to have that relationship with Jesus where I can worship him, where I can walk with him, where I can work with him, where I can wait if I need to. But I want to have that relationship with you, with him. If that's you, when I count to three, I just want you to raise your hand. See, that's the, this is the most important moment right now because it's the moment when we decide to come from dead to life. See, God knew that there was only one way that we could have a relationship with him. And that was by him sending his son to die for us. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus came down to earth to take my sin, to take your sin, to put it on himself. Yeah, we're all sinners. None of us is perfect here. That's why we need to be reminded to worship, to walk, to work, to wait. Because we're not perfect. But we do follow the perfect one. And that's the same opportunity I'm giving you here this morning. For you to be able to follow the perfect one. So if you're saying, you know, I'm tired of doing things on my own. I'm tired of trying to make it on my own. I, I want to come home. Well, you are home. You are in a building that we call home. But you can come home to Jesus too. You can come home to Jesus too. So as the whole church is praying. As all our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed for privacy and concentration, I'm going to count to three. And I believe the hands are going to go up because I believe that you have an appointed time today to have an encounter with Jesus. So if that is you, when I count to three, you raise your hand. I'm going to look at you. I'm going to acknowledge. I'm going to say, God bless you. And then you can put your hand down and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. So if that's you, let's get ready because the spirit is moving. The rest of the church, let's start praying. Let's start praying that God will give boldness to those people that need to have a relationship with him right now. So if that is you, when I count to three, one, God loves you. Two, Jesus came to die for you. Three, if you want to have a relationship with Jesus, raise your hand right now, right now. God bless you, I see you. God bless you, I see you on my right, right hand. God bless you, I see you right here in the center. God bless you, I see you to my left. God bless you, I see you right here in the front. God bless you, I see you right there. Anybody else? Today, Jesus is standing at the door of your heart. He's knocking. He wants to come in. He wants to dine with you. The Bible says that he knocks at the door of our heart. But see, he's such a gentleman that he will not push the door down. He'll wait for you to open it. So if that is you, if you want to open the, the, the door of your heart and have him come inside, I'm going to ask you one more time, raise your hand. He's waiting for you. If not, I'm going to lead those that have raised their hands already in a, in, a, in, a, in a prayer. God bless you. I'll see you. Good move, man. God bless you back there. I see you to my right. Anybody else? Anybody else? God bless you. On my left-hand side, I see you. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for these hands that went up. And right now, Lord God, as I lead them in a prayer, I pray that your Holy Spirit will come upon them that you will minister to them, that this might not be an emotional decision, that this might be a life-changing decision. Holy Spirit, guide them and protect them right now. For those of you that raise your hand, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. And it's a prayer that just basically just asking Jesus to come into your lives. We're going to all bow our heads and close our eyes. It's a repeat after me prayer. You're not praying to me. You're not praying to anybody else here. You're praying straight to God. Okay? So we're not going to leave you alone in this. The rest of the family, we're going to pray along with you. So if you raise your hand, repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I open my heart. I invite you inside to be my Lord, to be my Savior, to be my God. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. From this day forward, I want to follow you all the days of my life. I believe in you, and I put my trust in you. In Jesus' name.
Amen, amen, amen. And we give him a round of applause.